sometimes it, when I'm studying and, and going through things, I kind of, I try to maybe ask a few questions and, and come in through the, maybe a side door on something. Uh, I like to ask a lot of different questions sometimes, and sometimes people might think that's strange. Uh, my wife will certainly go along with that sometimes when I'm asking questions about certain things. But, you know, we, the, the Bible tells us about how we are to follow after Christ and how we are to mold ourselves to be like him and that we're to look at his example and continue to, continue to progress and become more and more like Christ. And one day I got to asking the question uh, about some things and I said, I wonder what would have been the outcome, how things would have gone if Christ were more like us. What if he had been more like us instead of the way he was? What would have happened? How would the outcome have been? And I found a few things that uh, I think would have turned out bad on our part, but I think it highlights some areas that maybe we need to be stronger in and work on, on our lives. The first thing that if Jesus would have been more like us that I figured out is he probably would have said, now wait a minute. I'm not qualified for this job. This just isn't for me. Go down there and, and, and teach and, and deliver your word and die on the cross to, to pay the price for sin. Sorry, I'm just not qualified for that. If he were like us, that's probably one thing he might have said. But you know, he wouldn't have been the first one to say that. If you look back in Exodus chapter 3, as God had called upon Moses to lead the people out. Look at what he says. Exodus 3, verse 10 through 11, he says, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? I'm not qualified for this, God. I don't have what it, what it takes to do this. And if you read that story, you'll go along and, and find out how he says, you know, he, he's not eloquent in speech, and he's not this, and he's not that. You know, we do that a lot of times, I think, in our lives. God has called us to live a, a certain way. He has called us to go forth and shine light in this world. Look for opportunities to shed the love of Christ and to share God's word with other people. And sometimes we think about that ourselves. We think, you know, I'm, I'm really just not qualified to do that. I, I don't have the skills I need. And we're always looking at some other guy and saying, well, I'm not like him. I don't have that skill or that talent. And I just want to tell you something. We, let, let's not look at our task as Christians that way. Let's understand that each and every one of us has a place in the kingdom. And God has not called us to do anything that he has not equipped us to do. And when it is your job and my job to go out and to live the life, to influence people, to let the light of Christ shine in this world, we're capable of doing it. Look in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 3 through 5. Paul writing here, he says, For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. When you start thinking about your task to go out and live the life and try to influence others and maybe open doors 
for the gospel to be preached and to taught and be taught to other people. And you kind of start thinking, I'm not qualified. Maybe I'm not capable. Understand that your sufficiency to do that job is not coming from you. It's coming from God. Look at what he says here. You are to take that gospel. You are to take that in the fleshly tables of the heart. You're to carry that with you. Live it in your life. And he said something else here. He says, we'd understand that the sufficiency to do that, it doesn't come from us as, as fleshly humans. The sufficiency to go do that job and to be successful comes from God. So let's just depend on him and understand that he has not called me to do something that I'm not capable of doing. You see, God's got confidence in us, a lot more confidence in us than we have in ourselves sometimes. So let's just go live the life and let's look for opportunities to open the doors whenever we can. Another thing I was thinking about is if Jesus were like us is that he probably would have just changed his mind during the path. He would have just changed his mind and said, you know, whoa, this is a little bit more than I signed up for. I think I'm going to have to I think I'm going to have to quit right now and, and stop this because I don't think I'm going to be able to finish this. Because that's the way we are sometimes. That's the way people are. Way people sign up and, and, and want to be all part and they want to be on board with the Lord and they want all of the good things that he has to offer to them. But then every now and then times get a little hard. And something happens to where it gets a little tough. And we start getting pressured a little bit. And we get tested a little bit. And then we start really deciding, how strong is my faith? And sadly enough, some people just lay it down and say, well, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. I think I'm going to go back to doing whatever I was doing. Look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 57 through 62. It says here in the scripture, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee wherever that." wheresoever thou goest. Now just stop right there and let that sink in. Because here's this guy, and this is the statement out of his mouth. I'll follow you wherever you go, Lord. I'm right there with you. Okay, let's read on. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at my home, at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now here's an example in a situation where maybe sometimes people get caught up in a little euphoria there. I'm all on board, Lord. I'm right there with you. And then he says, we're not staying in the finest hotels, boys. I, I don't even, some nights, I, I don't have a place to lay my head. We, you know, it's, we're sleeping outside and times aren't that great. And then you got a couple of them going, well, let me go do this first. Let me go take care of this first. You know, we get that way sometimes. And when times get hard and maybe some trials and tribulations come upon us, maybe we start second-guessing ourselves a little bit. And we need to understand that 
when God has called us to be his children, he never once promises that, that all our problems in this life were ever going to be over. In fact, he told us and he promised us that there's going to be some tough times. You're going to have some hard times in this world. But keep your eye on the prize because the goal is heaven. The goal is eternity. And we're not to gauge everything by how hard it is in this world. And so when we commit, we need to understand what commitment really means. And that means stopping the avenue of retreat. You go back through history, you'll read some stories sometimes about different adventurers. I think Alexander the Great, there's a story told on him about this. There is another Hispanic uh, uh, conquistador that came across from Spain to uh, discover things. And the story is told that when he hit the beach, he looked at his men and he said, Men, are you with me? Are you all in? And they all raised their, their swords, their shields, and they said, We are all in with you, sir. We're right behind you. And he said, Okay, burn the boats. So what did that mean? What that meant was there's no avenue of retreat, men. There is no going back. That's commitment. And that is what God is demanding of us and what we should offer to give. We should be committed to him and understand that retreat is not an option. We will go forward with the Lord regardless of how hard it gets. Look in Matthew 19 and verse 16 through 22. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here is this young man, and you've got to admire the guy, because when Jesus says, you should do these things, you should do this, you should do this, he, he confidently said, I've done all those things. But yet, Jesus had one more thing to say to him. He says, now go sell all your possessions and come and follow me. You see, there's always going to be a line that comes up for us as humans to where we have to decide, are we committed or not? And if Jesus were more like us as he had been making his trek on this earth, walking the path, on his way to the cross, if he had been like us, there would have been a point where he would have said, that's far enough. Don't believe I can finish this. Another thing is if Jesus had been more like us, he just wouldn't have had time to go to the cross. He just wouldn't have had time to go do it because he had been too busy. He would have had too many other things going on. Look at Luke 14 and verse 16 through 20. It says here, Then said he unto them, 
unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another sent, said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. A man makes this supper, and this is likened to the invitation to be a part of God's kingdom. And look at the excuses that humans put forth. The world and its activities would have become an obstacle for Christ if he were like us. He wouldn't have had time. He'd have been tied up with too many things. He'd have had all these worldly possessions and these worldly goods that would have caught his attention and he had to go take care of all these things. He would have had these relationships. He would have had the, the issues with family and things like that that he would refuse to give up in order to go serve God, his creator. And all of those things would have been more important to him than obeying God's plan. And the reason we know that is because today people have the same excuses when it comes to serving God. They're too busy. They don't have time. You know, we have to always guard for us as Christians to be careful to not let so much of the worldly activities and, and the, the worldly uh, entertainment that, that is around us to get so involved. If you're careful, I know like us, with we got three boys, and if you're not careful, you can, you can be everywhere except home. You know, and it's, you got to guard against that. It's tough sometimes. And we have to make sure that our priorities are right so that we're not choosing to be so busy for those things that we're missing out and not being busy with the work of the kingdom. Luke chapter 8 and verse 14, this is where Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower and he's coming to the part here about the seed which fell among the thorns. It says, And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Their life, their service to the Lord is choked out. And it's, here's what it's choked with, he says. Cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And they bring forth no fruit to perfection. We fool ourselves sometimes and we say that sinful things aren't, aren't uh, pleasurable. That's not true. The flesh enjoys them. The flesh enjoys sin. That's why it's so appealing to the flesh. We have to make sure we guard against that and that worldliness and all those things that the world has to offer does not choke us out from our service in the kingdom. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 26 through 29, it says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Look at the examples he's talking about here. All these people, they were so busy living life. They were so busy. They were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building, they were marrying. And, and they were doing all these things. 
And all of a sudden, it was over. In the last part there, as Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. You see, the end came upon them and they were unaware. They were unprepared. They had not thought about that. And we have to be careful to, careful to make sure that we don't have that same mindset and we don't allow the, world, the world's uh, entertainment, the, the joys, the sparkle, the glitter, whatever you want to call it. We have to make sure that we don't allow that to pull us away from our service. Paul had a co-worker that this happened to. 2 Timothy 4 and 10, he says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Demas left the work. He left Paul. And why did that happen? said he loved the present world. Got a hold of him. And it took him away from his service to the Lord. Another thing that if Christ had been more like us, if he had been like us, he would have looked at our faults. He would have looked at all the, the faults that you and I have and he would have said, they ain't worth saving. He would have said, no, nah, I don't think so. They just got too much wrong in their life. I don't think they're worthy of saving. You know, sometimes people have been like that. And I think that's sad. When I consider the situation that I've been because of my sin, how could I look at someone else and say, well, they've got too much sin, but yet I'm supposed to expect mine to be forgiven? Look at Luke 18 verse 9 through 12. He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Look at how this righteous Pharisee looked at the other people. He spoke this parable to a certain group for a certain reason. It says, he spoke it unto them which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. He was trying to teach them a lesson. That you can't afford to look down and focus on other people's sins and not understand that you yourself have sinned. These Pharisees were also called many times blind. They were blind to their own sin. They could sure see the sin of others, but they were blind to their own sin. And here's how this Pharisee was. He got up and proudly prayed to God that he wasn't like these other people. Man, look how bad they are. Oh, they're extortioners, they're unjust, adulterers. Ooh, just even like this publican. Lord, I'm just thankful I ain't like them. He was looking down upon them instead of, instead of looking at it with the attitude of what can I do to help them? How can they be aided by God's word? How can I help them and assist them? Instead of looking at it that way, he was looking at this, this publican and these other men and he was saying basically, ain't worth saving. You know, the, if Jesus were like that, 
And see, the Pharisees thought he was kind of going to be like them if you get to thinking about it. He was going to come make them the people in power and their, their nation and all that. If he had been like that, he would have focused on everyone else's faults with the purpose of keeping them down. And sadly, he would have found some sick sense of, of joy that other people had sin in their life. You ever met anybody like that? You met, ever met somebody that almost seemed like they were glad somebody else had sin because that way they didn't have to focus on their own? Well, it's a sad state to be in. And we can't afford to get to the point where we're focusing on other people's sins and, and not understanding that we all need a Savior. Now let's go help save them too. If he had been more like us, Christ would have been perched on that throne of self-righteousness and he would have seen only those who were not worth saving. Wouldn't have been worthy. Luke 7 and verse 36 through 39 one of these Pharisees that had desired him that he would eat with them, and he went in under the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. But when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. He looked upon this woman, and he said, She wasn't worthy. That's how he looked upon her. We use that term worthy a lot when we think about things like this. The term worthy means actually deserving or possessing worth or suitable. So he was looking upon her in, in that she was not suitable to be in the same company as this guy was. If he were a prophet, he would understand she's a sinner. She's got problems. And if this guy was open to the truth, he would have looked at himself and said, I'm I need to worry about my problems more than I do her sin right now. I need to make sure I do the right thing. But see, if Jesus were more like us, he'd have been sitting up there on that perch of self-righteousness with that other guy looking down with the other, on the other people that way. Finally, if Jesus were more like us and not like who he was, his death on the cross would have been just another entry into the obituaries. His death on the cross would have been insufficient to pay the price for our sins. And we would, we would be walking around with no hope today. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for us the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. You see, he was just, and we are not. And the just gave his life for the unjust. He freely went to the cross and paid that price. And if he were more like us, he would not have been considered just. Just is a term that means innocent, faultless, or guiltless. And he certainly was that. But if he were more like us, he wouldn't have been considered that. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 through 19 
says here, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, if Jesus were more like us, he could have still gone to the cross. He could have gone through that horrible death. But the blood that was shed there, it wouldn't have been the blood as of a lamb without blemish or without spot. You see, that's how precious Jesus was and that's how special that sacrifice was. You see, he's not like us. He wasn't like us. But yet he came and he took upon the form of flesh and he walked among us to give us an example, to show his love and to reach out that hand, that salvation and say, come enjoy this. Come enjoy salvation. Come enjoy the hope of a better life. We fail to see that sometime for the magnitude of that sacrifice that it was. Finally, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, the last reading this afternoon. It says, and he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That word propitiation means appeasement. It means sufficient enough to turn away the wrath of God. And that's how special the sacrifice of Christ was for you and for me. You see, we really deserve the wrath of God. We deserve that because of our sin. But because Jesus was not like you and I, but because he was the perfect lamb of God, he gave his life on that cross, and the blood that he shed can turn away the wrath of God against your sin. The question is, have you been washed in the blood of Christ? Have you been washed in the blood of Christ? If you haven't, I would urge you to take it. Uh, that step, make that change today because the blood of Christ is the only thing that is going to turn away the wrath of God against your sin and be thankful each and every day that Jesus was not like us but that he did give an example and he is calling us to be more like him he is calling us to walk in his steps and have a good influence on people and to go share the gospel while we're here on this earth go, go live that life Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.